hey, step back, kind of make a plan, figure out what the details are before jumping into it. Because when you sign up for a 30-year mortgage, that's an obligation. Whether you have rent or not, you got to be paying that bill. So you definitely want to be prepared before you get into it. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565. And he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluffy stuff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. And you know what? This is also the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We've got a special treat today because it's Saturday. We're going to do a special segment called Situation Saturday, where our guest talks about a sticky situation they were in and how they overcame it. And today we're going to be talking about if you buy at a time when the market is at the very top, what do you do and what happens? And with us to talk through that, Deacon Hayes. How are you doing, Deacon? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. And nice to have you on the show. If uh, Deacon's name sounds familiar, then that's because you're a loyal best ever listener. He was on episode number 712 talking about how he cleared 52K in debt within 18 months. Go listen to that episode if you're curious about that. He is the founder of Well-Kept Wallet, which is a website and podcast dedicated to helping people control their finances. He, in 2013, launched Debt-Free in 18 Months, an online class that helps people get out of debt. And he's based in Phoenix, Arizona. You can check out his website at wellkeptwallet.com. That being said, Deacon, you want to take it away with telling us a story of what the heck happened on your investments? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I live in Phoenix and in 2006, things were just going crazy. And I was in my early 20s and I thought, gosh, all my friends, they're buying like three, four, five properties. Like, how is this possible in their early 20s to be doing this? And I found out about 80-20 loans and basically where you'd have to put anything down. I didn't know that. I was just figuring, oh, okay, great. I borrow 80% from one person, 20% from another. Well, it turned out that 80% was I want to say about 8% and the 20% was about 13%. So the interest rates were astronomical. And on top of that, the renters wouldn't even cover the mortgage. So here I am getting into real estate thinking like this is the greatest thing because it's just booming, not having any skin in the game. Now, one of my saving graces, I actually had when I bought this property, it was about $50,000 under what the market value was. So it wasn't like I was buying it at the max price, but still, even at that, I ended up losing my shirt on that property. Let's go through the numbers on them just to recap. So purchase price is how much? It's about 167. 
actually, I rolled all of my closing costs, so it ended up being somewhere close to like 180,000. Okay, so 180k purchase price, all in. And what was your strategy for it? What were you gonna do? Well, so my thought was is that I would just find some renters for it as property values kind of went up, and then kind of offload it at an ideal time, which I didn't know what I was doing, right? So I didn't really know what that ideal time was, but I just thought, hey, if things keep going well, maybe I could sell this thing for 250 grand in the next couple of years. And at that point in time, you know, I had that debt, so I figured that'd be a great way to clear my consumer debt. Okay, so you purchased price 180 all in. How much were you projecting the rents to be? I want to say about 1300 bucks a month. And what happened? Well, I ended up getting a tenant. This was kind of interesting. These, I mean, there's so many things I learned from this. He was a guy that worked for me. He had two little girls. And so I thought, hey, this is a great deal because he needs a place for his family and he wants to get back on his feet. But he had bad credit, right? But I'm like, okay, this guy works for me. I know what his paycheck is. It's a no-brainer. Well, I didn't know that he had a drug problem. So he ended up not showing up to work. He <laughs> He ended up punching a hole through the wall. His kids put marker all over the carpets. I mean, it was just a disaster. So it was one thing that I learned. One, credit does matter when finding tenants. Two, just because you know someone and familiar with them doesn't mean that they're going to be the best tenant. So there's definitely a lot of takeaways from that. Mm -hmm. There sure are. Did they end up paying any rent? He did. But then in Arizona, I had to go to like the... I think it's like the urban housing development or whatever it's called here and find out what the process was for evicting somebody. So through that process, I think he probably owed me two or three months worth of rent that I never recouped. And on top of that, he never fulfilled the rest of his lease. So I had to kind of scramble and find someone else. And you were obviously self-managing because you brought him in and got the lease set up everything. Yep, that's correct. Okay. All right. How long was he a part of the property? So he was eventually gone. How long from start to finish? Oh, it was a matter of months. I mean, I'd say maybe six months. Six months. <laughs> Short and quick and furious, uh, like a hurricane coming through, right? Yeah. And I mean, like I said, it was definitely a learning process. So then I started finding people that were at better credit, that were more trustworthy, but that also didn't work out as expected. Why? What happened? I didn't realize that I should have a, an actual lease agreement and where I had people that were paying, let's say, $500 a room, but they were only responsible for that room versus the entire place, right? So when one moved out, then I'm only making 500 bucks from one person, where if I had two people, I was making 1000 So that was another lesson that I learned was have a lease in writing and both people are on the hook for the full amount regardless of if someone moves out. Yep. That makes sense. That's something that I don't think, unless you're a management company, I think that that would be a fairly common mistake if you're self-managing and you've got two people. I could see a lot of people having leases for separate tenants versus one lease, but clearly it makes more sense now looking back on it to have one lease, but I could see it as being a fairly common mistake. Oh, absolutely. And uh, like I said, I mean, I'm just, I was looking at people around me and I'm thinking, ah, oh, this is great. I'm going to figure it out as I go, right? Where now when I tell people, I'm like, hey, step back, kind of make a plan, figure out what the details are before jumping into it. Because when you sign up for a 30-year mortgage, that's an obligation. Whether you have rent or not, you got to be paying that bill. So you definitely want to be prepared before you get into it, which I definitely wasn't. So after you got these new tenants in and some moved out, some stayed in, then what happened with the property? 
Well, eventually I had to realize that maybe that's better for me to actually live in the property. My wife and I ended up getting married, and so we decided to move into it. And so then it wasn't really about being an investment as much as, hey, we just need a place to live. We ended up refinancing, so we got out of the 80-20 loan, and we got into something that was a little bit more, I think it was like 4%. Or, so we drastically changed from this 8%, 13% to something around 4 or 5%, which was much more manageable than what we started with. Then you moved into the house, and are you still living in it? No. So what we did is we were on this plan. As I mentioned in the previous show, we paid off 52 grand in 18 months. So we said, hey, why don't we try to expedite paying down this mortgage? Because it was actually underwater. Let's say I told you I said pay about 180. I think by the time we ended up selling it, it was worth about 132. So we held it for about 10 years and we lost, let's say, 50 grand, 40, 50 grand on the property. But because we had been paying down so quickly, we had enough equity to put 20% down on our next home. At what point did you decide it's time to sell even though it were at 132 and we bought at 180? My wife got pregnant. So yeah, it was a two-story condo and we really wanted to have a one-story so we didn't have to lug a kid up and downstairs. Plus, it was a two-bedroom, so we definitely wanted to grow and have an office and that kind of thing. So we went from a two-bedroom condo to a four-bedroom house, but when we bought that house, we did it very differently. We put 20% down so we didn't have to pay PMI. We got it like $30,000 less than what the market value was, so we are really doing things the right way this time around. And do you have any investment properties now? Not at this time, but we are actively pursuing one in the one hundred and fifty to 200000 range, a three-bedroom, two-bath. $150,000 to $200,000 range. Let's talk about that. Are you going to rent that out? Yeah. So the goal is to be about 1200 1300 a month in rent. Okay. For a $200,000 house? Preferably in the one hundred and fifty range, but it'd be a, for a three-bedroom, two-bedroom, two-bath okay. house. Well, I'll tell you, my friend, if it's $1,300 in rent and it's $150,000 there's a rule that a lot of real estate investors like to look at, and that is a ratio of the purchase price and the monthly rent. Have you heard about this rule? Yeah, but go ahead and explain it just so. Because I want to look out for you. That's why I'm mentioning this. Investors tend to want to have at least 1% at minimum of the monthly rent when you divide that into the purchase price. So if I divide 1300 into 150, I get Point oh eight, so almost eight tenths of a percent versus one percent, and you might want to look at properties, if not in that market, maybe other markets that cash flow a little bit more. If your goal is to cash flow on the properties, and I love that, and I definitely would be interested in it. It is kind of our market has picked up a lot. I found one the other day that's one hundred forty thousand. So if we could get to that 130,000 mark, then that's that 1% that mm -hmm. you're talking about. And then it makes a little bit more sense. I do like the fact of having something local that I could go to if something goes wrong. But going to other markets, I'm not opposed to that. Just wanted to throw it out there because I, you know, I didn't want to interview you in two years about a $150,000 purchase that you made. Yeah, right. No, I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah. Well, Deacon, is there anything else that you wanted to mention to the best ever listeners? Yeah, I think that especially when you're young and you start making money, you're just like, hey, how can I get my money to work for me? And you want to jump in and get on the action. And that's exactly what I did. And I would just say, I definitely want you to get in on the action, but do it right, right? Step back, 
make a plan, put it in writing, figure out all the details. You know, some things that I didn't think about were like special assessments, right? We had to pay to have the pool resurfaced, which was thousands of dollars. We had to pay to have the roof done, the asphalt, all that stuff. So really just kind of count all of your costs before jumping in. And that could save you thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars over the long run. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? The best place is wellkeptwallet.com, where I have a lot of resources on my resources page, as well as a podcast. Well, as always, this is only the second conversation, well, third conversation we've had, and I always enjoy our conversations. I love how you get specific with the numbers, with your learnings. On the deal, we talked about the 180 k purchase price, where you had renters for 1300 who you knew, and that didn't work out, bad credit. Then renters who were roommates, one moved out, they weren't on the same lease. So as a result, you're down 50% of the rent that you're bringing in. And the other lessons that you learned along the way, now with your primary residence, you know, you're buying it with a certain percentage down where there's no PMI, you got equity in the deal because you're buying it at the right price for where the market's at. So lessons have been implemented and wish you the best. Thank you so much for being on the show, sharing your story with the best ever listeners, and I hope you have a best ever weekend. Okay, thanks, Joe. Not only has he managed to flip houses like burgers, he's done it with almost no money or credit. Flip Houses Like Burgers by Nasser El Arabi is a step-by-step process of wholesaling and flipping, and you can buy it on Amazon today. Flip Houses Like Burgers.